On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we hit the road for Mighty Manawa too. From the fun of fielding in the city beats of Palmy to the designated touring route, the Manawa Two Scenic Drive. Plus, we check out the Murray River port town of Echuca and some great trails to blaze in Sydney. That's all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard for a freshly unwrapped edition. I'm Andrew Seppi. I always like to be unwrapped. (laughs) I'm Mike Yardley. <laughs> Good to be with you. Hello, Michael. Uh, Manawatu's Big Backyard uh, takes centre stage on this edition. It's a region that's underrated, Michael. It really is. Very much so. And another big misnomer is that the Manawatu is pancake flat. No, yes. But when you get there, you only have to gaze across at the eastern horizon to see that dragon-like spine of the Tararua and eastern ranges to realise that the terrain is very diverse. Indeed it is. It's nothing like like Ellesmere. <laughs> Lots of hidden treasures lurking in those tucks and folds. Indeed. Love a good tuck and fold. Let us start in fielding. And Friday, the day to visit this town, it's market day, with the largest operating sale yards in the southern hemisphere doing their busiest trade, while the fresh produce and artisan treats Pull the crowds. They pull the crowds to the weekly farmer's market in Manchester Square. It's a huge day out, and Fielding has been adjudged the nation's best when it comes to that sort of market action on multiple occasions. It has, yes. Uh, You can gorge yourself on more than 30 stalls at uh, the farmer's market. The fromage from Cartwheel Creamery is particularly good. Indeed. And I'm always up for a hot saucy. Oh, yes. From Foxton-based... Foxy bangers. That's such a Kiwi thing, a good hot saucy. Yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, the pork and apple sausages from uh, Foxy bangers mm. are particularly good. and Very nice. Now, Fielding has been a multiple award winner of New Zealand's most beautiful town, taking out the gong on 16 separate occasions. No mean feat. No. It's an instantly likeable town, immaculately clean, very colourful, studded with impeccably maintained character buildings. Right, let's scoot down the main road in Palmerston North. Plenty of art and culture in Palmy, and the star attraction is the New Zealand Rugby Museum. How more Kiwi can you get? It really is a compelling shrine that I think every keen Kiwi rugby follower needs to go and pay homage to because it showcases the heritage and glory of our national religion. Ah, uh, yes. And how rugby has shaped the nation. <laughs> All sorts of trinkets there. Home to the world's first museum dedicated to the Oval Ball. It was actually established about 40 years ago as a tribute to the founding father of New Zealand rugby, Charles Monroe. Oh, good old Charles. It boasts one of the world's largest collections of rugby memorabilia, spanning 40,000 items. It's a fair few. Uh, The treasures include the first Fern, a 1905 Originals jersey, and the whistle from the final test of the Invincibles tour, and our oldest rugby ball. I'd like that on Trade Me. (laughs) (laughs) All manner of famous players' boots as well, from Don Clark to Dan Carter. I was intrigued to discover the first Kiwis to play overseas in 1884 sported a dark 
blue jersey. Yes. Decorated with a hand-stitched gold fern. Like the butter. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of look like an Otago rugby team, you know, sort of blue and gold. And that was the New Zealand native tour of Britain in 1888. Oh, yes. Uh, when the black jersey and the silver fern emblem were first worn. Tell you what, I think one of the coolest, most indelible images was David Kirk in the 87 World Cup yes. playing in the white All Blacks jersey. Remember yes, they, they played in that? Yep, we played in that white uniform against Scotland. Yes. I remember I went to the game, ah. Lancaster Park. Oh, yes. I think it was the quarterfinal or the semi final. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. But and it was, yeah. Because Scotland were playing in dark blue, we played in white. We were the home team, yes. Yeah. In, in case our lot got dark blue mistaken for black yeah. and threw the ball the wrong way. And funnily enough, our original uniform was dark, dark blue. blue. With there a gold go. fern. Indeed. Yes. A quirky exhibit is the stuffed kiwi in a specially designed wooden travelling case. It was the Invincibles mascot when they toured the UK and France in 1924-1925. The mascot was to be handed over as a gift to any team that beat the All Blacks. I loved seeing this exhibit. Uh, the Invincible team proved to be exactly that. Yes. The Kiwi returned home. Its final resting place is the museum. Cool. Um, another aspect of the museum is the have-a-go area, so you can put your rugby skills to the test, from pushing in a scrum and tackling to sprinting and kicking. Kids love it. I was completely useless. No. Yeah. Wouldn't hear of it. Yeah. Now let's head to the outdoors and Victoria Esplanade is an urban oasis where formal gardens, bushwalks and leisure facilities, including a fantastic miniature railway, they grace this park. It's also the home to wild base recovery. Yeah. This is such a great place to visit. It's free to enter, only three years old. Yeah. It's like a convalescent hospital ward for our wildlife. They've got a specialist centre providing care for injured and ill native wildlife, recovering after being treated at the Wild Base Hospital at Massey University. So they have some resident wildlife there, including... Uh, convalescing Tuatara, Kaka, Kiriru, Fio and Pateki, but the centre is primarily focused on rehab. Uh, now, I need to point out, these birds have not been on the drugs. You know, they haven't been sniffing the coke. You haven't got a Kiriru with a coke habit. <laughs> You'd have a cracked Kiriru <laughs> or a Kiriru yeah. on crack. You'd go Kaka. Yeah, you would yeah. go Kaka. Mm. Yeah. You'd see Tuatara. Yeah, you would. Um, so, yeah, they have a long rehab at the Wild Base Recovery before they are released back into the wild. It is a real joy to explore and engage with the on-site wildlife technicians who are just so zealous about doing God's work. And, you know, for you, they must have had a collection of aviaries. <laughs> yes, they do have quite a big collection of aviaries where all of that rehab takes place. I was going to check in. Yeah, what, the drug habit again? Yes, exactly. So the aviaries that appeal to you, of course, because they can't, the birds can't flutter around you, which just unsettles you somewhat. It can be very unsettling. Yeah. Yes. I'm easily bewildered, though. You are. Yes. Stay with us. Just ahead, we hit the road on the Manawatu Scenic Route. Back in a mo. Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew, if you like a roadie, the Manawatu Scenic Route is your little puppy. A designated country road serving up super scenic views in the hinterland. Running from Ashurst to Mangaweka, the Manawatu Scenic Route is a primary touring route that 
showcases the beauty and the charm of the backcountry. Uh, you've got rolling farmland, hidden valleys, charming settlements. At times, I felt like I was waltzing with the rivers because the road sort of dips in and out of the valleys. Waltzing with the rivers. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah very nice. It's yeah. like you're just going with the flow. Yeah. Um, along the way, you will swoon over the views of Mount Ruapehu and its generally snow-topped year-round, mm-hmm. and that just, like, crowns the northwest horizon if, as if to say, yes, I am here, and you can see me. Excellent. And I can see you. Right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, places we could go with that. Yes. Now, Ashurst, a very cool place, not well-known for lots of things to do, but there are a bunch of things you can do. A top stop is the herb farm. Yes, it is. Are you feeling herbal? Herbal. Or herbal? Herbal. Or herbal. Mm. This is a local family business making natural skincare and therapeutic products on site from plants harvested from the sprawling, slightly wild gardens. Slightly wild. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It just feels a bit free range. Oh, very good. Um, But I think that's what they're trying to do. Yes. (laughs) I enjoyed a very hearty graze from the cafe. What a surprise. Yes. Uh, The menu is centred around local free range and organic produce, and they incorporate a lot of the fresh herbs from the gardens. Of course they do. Mm disappointed if they didn't. Mm. Now, from Ashurst, it is a very short hop up the Saddle Road to Apiti. Wind Farm. That's the Wind Farm lookout. Yes. All right. The sheer size and height of these 55 turbines is astounding. Yes. And it's you know, like wind is catching on. Do you realise that Germany have just decided to nuke Turn all the nukes? Yeah. They've nu- nuked the nukes. Exactly. Yes. And they were a stalwart for nuclear power for a long time. They will regret that. Yeah, they will. But they're going wind farm. I know. But, well, actually, we probably shouldn't get too controversial about climate change here. But the good thing about nuclear power stations is they are carbon zero. Yeah. And it's like baseload power. It just generates so much power. I think in time, we'll have one. Oh. I'll have one. I'll have one up in Hunsbury, Christchurch. Power me up. (laughs) Right, let's move on from here. (laughs) Would you rather have a nuclear power station out the back or a wind turbine keeping you up at night? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got neighbours like that anyway. That's true. So the picturesque Pohanga Valley. (laughs) Yes. Let's talk about Pohanga in a valley. You will be treated to an ever-changing landscape of lush green valleys, stony river terraces, and amazing picnic spots. Oh, yes. Totara Reserve, Romai Reserve, just stunning. You can also visit Cartwheel Creamery. So if you didn't get enough fromage and fielding, (laughs) go to the creamery. And they do produce exceptional cheeses that combine traditional methods with modern, safe food practices. Now, after a fresher at the gorgeous Apiti Tavern, uh, a 20-minute drive will take you to Limestone Creek Reserve and their stunning glowworm caves. These are very special, very unique, and they are on private land, mm. protected by QE2 National Trust. Yes, great private landowners. Mm doing their bit for God's own. The rock formation and the colours within these caves, absolutely spellbinding. You've got lush moss, you've got the ferns, you've got the lichen festooning those cave walls. So you just get this blaze of green hues. A tinkling stream courses. Yeah, don't get caught tinkling in the stream. No, no, you are not meant to tinkle in that stream. Oh, good. Because the stream's already tinkling. Oh, good, good. Which adds a nice sort of... Mood music. It's pretty pretty tinkled. Yes, indeed. 
And I'm also intrigued by the fact these caves have got a, like, triangular shape to them. Oh. So it's all very sensory. Oh. And I love that sound of just water constantly dripping through from the top. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you will want your raincoat. <laughs> If you want to see the glowworms, by the way, you've got to go there at night. And given the change in elevation as you head up the scenic route, there are some absolutely <coughs> stunning lookouts. Yes. One of the best is Ruahine Dress Circle Lookout. Oh. I love the name. And the early it reminds settlers, you of horses, doesn't it? Well, it does. Or like you're at the Isaac Theatre Royal in the Dress Circle. Oh, yes. <clears throat> you know, sort no. of ringside view. First four ships, yes. Yes. No. Well, interestingly, it was the early European settlers who were so inspired by the curved Papa Cliffs, they nicknamed it the Dress Circle because it reminded them of a dress circle in an opera house in London. <laughs> so, of course it does, yes. Hence the name. Ruahine, Dress Circle Lookout. Mm-hmm. Such yeah, an yeah. amazing view. By the way, from there, head over the iconic Mangaweka Bridge to reach Arwastone Riverside Haven for some riveting, mm. scenic, mm-hmm. rafting thrills on the Rangataiki River. So did you actually ride the rapids? Yes. Really? Yes, and I survived. Well, clearly, because you're standing here now, but you rode the rapids. I rode them, baby. Oh, wow. I didn't actually have to do much. Ah, here we go. So hold on, were they (laughs) e-rapids? E-rapids. Well, it was like automatic rapids. All right. It was very well done. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Mangaweka Adventure Company, who are the pioneers of – New Zealand's specialist ore-powered rigs. Mm-hmm. So you sit in this rig, and it's like a very scenic drift. It's just like a very mellow float <laughs> along the river. Hold on, hold on. I thought these were rapids. I know. I had I had visions of you and a. So these weren't really rapids. They no, were. Oh no, they do become rapid. Right. <laughs> they become very rapid. But the really good thing is you don't actually have to do any grunt work. So the oh. guy does it. <laughs> Right. So you just sit back, soak up the dramatically spectacular surroundings. So this really is a rapid version of the e-bike, isn't it? It is, pretty much. Thank yeah. you. There's someone yes. else doing the hard yards right. for you. Yes, but yes. I tell you what, those sweeping white papa cliffs, they're just so gorgeous. And there is actually quite a variety of different rafting tours you can choose from, including the mystical White Cliffs Boulder Gardens, uh, you can discover Lord of the Rings locations. So did you actually even get your feet wet? Not at all. <sighs> no. I might have got one drip. One drip is um, a bit of water connected with one of the oars. Uh, there you go, folks. The Very la- nice float. The last of the great adventurers. But I rode the rapids. <sighs> the e-rapids. And if you're returning to Fielding or Palmy from Mangaweka, you don't have to take the same route. No. No, you can go different. I do like a different route. You do. So just south of Mangaweka, head back on the Stormy Point route. This is quite a route. It takes its name from the Stormy Point lookout. Another smashing lookout where the views are phenomenal. No, not Stormy Daniels then. No, no, nothing to do with Stormy Daniels. The views reach as far as Mount Taranaki and Ruapehu, who waves out to you and you wave out to Ruapehu and Ruapehu says, I can see you. Uh, you (laughs) We're back here again. (laughs) We are again. Uh, You'll also see one of the best preserved sequences of river terraces in the world on this touring route. 
Vinegar Hill is one of Manawatu's best riverside picnic and camping spots, and its name has a great backstory, Vinegar Hill. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's such a great location too because you can take a very cooling dip in the crystal clear waters of the Rangataiki, mm-hmm. wrapped in those signature Papa Clay cliffs. Those cliffs look like putty, as if they've been moulded by the invisible fingers of Father Time. Right, fair enough. Move on. So <laughs> Vinegar Hill and the name has a great backstory. What is it? Yes. It takes its name from an incident in early colonial times. Oh, yes. Now, you're thinking, ah, oh, yes, someone got out the salt and vinegar chips and there was a tragedy. Of course, because that's in colonial times what they came to New Zealand with. Yes. Bags of salt and vinegar chips. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, what happened was there was a bullock cart carrying barrels of vinegar and it overturned after the bullock slipped on the muddy hillside track. So it slathered the entire hillside in vinegar from these broken barrels. And were there potato farms here, so they had <laughs> salt and vinegar chips? Unfortunately not. Right. But I reckon when I went there, yes. I thought I could smell vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just ahead, we uh, go to Australia's Murray River to the port town of Echuca. Yes, Michael likes things that start with E. I love a chuka. Yeah, you like e-bikes. We'll choo-choo our way to a chuka. E-rafting. Yes. And e-chuka. Yes. Back in the mo. This is Kiwi Trips. This is Mike and Andrew. If you're heading to Victoria, Australia, a great stop on the Murray River is the river port town of Ichuka. Totally. And it's the closest point on the Murray to Melbourne. So because of that, it set the stage for Ichuka to become a booming inland river trading mecca in the 19th century. Mm. So much of that legacy is still there today. It's like a heritage powerhouse of the town uh, because so many of those sublime buildings that sprung up on the back of wealth generated from all of that river trade are still there. Well, river nostalgia is a big draw and down by the historic wharf, the Discovery Centre gives you a flavour of what a crazy, wild boom town it once was. The wild, wild west. My kind of place. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. The founding hero was a fella called Henry Hopwood. Would you trust someone called Henry Hopwood? It sort of sounds like a Movie character, doesn't yeah, it? And does a little bit. Yeah. Mm. He was an ex-convict. Oh, there you go. Who established the town after setting up the first ferry crossing of the Murray. And he mm-hmm. built a pub, of course he did, <laughs> called the Bridge Hotel. Of course it was. Yes. But I love the names <laughs> in Australia. I know. It's just so obvious. Very self-explanatory. Yeah, you get it. The Bridge Hotel is still doing a roaring trade today, by the way. Mm. But from the 1860s, Achuka fast emerged as the paddle steam capital of Australia, hauling wool and and timber all over inland Australia for export worldwide. Like its own little Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. And here's a fascinating fun fact of today. Three quarters of the wood that underpins the London underground, London, England, yes, is river red gum from Echuca. Isn't that a brilliant fun fact? Oh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So the enormous red gum wharf servicing the paddle steamers is still there today. Still servicing the paddle steamers, that is a marvel as well. It was built in stages, eventually spanning 1,200 metres. That's a big span. How many rugby fields? 12 lengths. Yeah. And it's a three-level structure. Ooh. Multi-level wharf. Oh. Um, And that was because it had to cope with the whopping seasonal swings and river levels along the Murray. It would swing as much as 12 metres. Wow. Yeah. 
Uh, the Wharf's busiest year was 1872. There were 240 paddle steamers in service on the river at that time. And we can't even get a boat across Cook Strait without exactly. it breaking down. I know. Yeah. Unbelievable. What a scene that would have been. A huge chunk of the Wharf still stands today, fully restored and operational. And it also doubles as the most supreme viewing deck across the curving Murray River. How far... Would the steamers travel on the river, Michael? Colossal distances. Please enlighten us. <laughs> they would go from Atuka, Victoria, all the way up to Queensland on the river. A round trip to Burke and out back New South Wales would take five weeks, mm-hmm. which is the same distance, by the way, as crossing the Tasman. Mm-hmm. The only problem was if the river levels fell en route, Boats would actually become marooned for months. Yeah. And obviously, as time went on, better rail and road links killed off a lot of the commercial paddle steamer business, and they lost their monopoly on freight. Again, we can't even get a small boat across the Cook Strait. <laughs> yeah. Now, there are plenty of paddle steamers plying the river. In fact, Echuca has the world's largest fleet of operating paddle steamers. This is in Australia, all right, including the world's oldest wooden steamer, which is still in service. Yeah. Now, I would have thought before I went to Echuca, you would be talking about the Mississippi here, yeah, Andrew. exactly. This is Echuca, Australia. Hmm. So the PS Adelaide, this is the old girl. She was built in 1866, and you can take a ride on her. Absolutely glorious. Echuca is more than just a living museum, though, because the paddle steamers still do a cracking trade. They've been repurposed. They don't haul wool clips or logs anymore. They're just stuffed with tourists, which is a great way to see the Murray. <laughs> Absolutely. Isn't the Murray River full of carp? Ah, yes, yes. Oh. An epic fail by the Europeans who yes, introduced yeah. these hideous fish to the river. And why? Why? Ah. Oh. I don't know why they were so stupid, but they have decimated the native fish populations. They've degraded the water quality, which is why the Murray River always looks so murky. But there is now actually this huge push underway to kill off the carp, which is going to be quite the assignment. Yes. Uh, But they've already started boosting native fish life like the Murray Cod into the river, and that's actually a superb-tasting river fish. Indeed it is. Yeah. Now, there are lovely places to stay upon the river. Where would you spend a night, Michael? Where would you rest your head? Where would you lay your hat? Well, I channeled my inner Mongolian. What? (laughs) I spent a night in a yurt. Oh, did you now? As you do on the banks of the Murray River, Australia. Yeah. Um, I glamped at a place called Tullow Retreat. It was insanely good. I had kookaburras, I had corellas, I had cockatoos joining me. Yeah. But it's the full-throated baritone frogs that do disturb your peace. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I'd never appreciated just what a racket they can make, and they just don't stop through the night. They don't give you any respite. They just keep going nonstop. In fact, I reckon they're on battery power. So the earplugs in the yurt were a godsend to soften the sound of the Murray River's rather robust nightlife. Well, there you go. If you fancy a night with a cockatoo, book a yurt. Yes, just look out for the frogs. Yes, coming up, we're off to Sydney to blaze some trails, some fantastic trails in the cooler months. Back in a moment. (laughs) 
This is Kiwi Trips. This is Mike and Andrew. Finally on this edition, let us skip over to Sydney. Fantastic place. The city's good looks set the stage for great frolics on foot, particularly in the cooler months. Yes. Yeah. A lot more bearable when oh, it's yeah. cooler. Yeah. Uh, the Bondada Kuji Coastal Walk needs little introduction. That's, let's, let's give it one. Okay. It's a, a 6K wander. Along the cliff tops, lovely coastal walk around Sydney's eastern suburbs, and it serves up a salt sprayed kaleidoscope of spectacular ocean views, surf beaches, bays, and rock pools. Oh. Um, if you haven't uh, been enlivened enough by watching the energy of the ocean as the waves crash up onto the rocks, you can always take a bit of a plunge in the likes of Bondi Icebergs, which is that ocean pool tucked into the southern corner of Bondi Beach. Bondi Icebergs, because, you know, Bondi Beach, you, mm. you sort of think hot weather, sunshine, yeah. sand. But yeah. no, if Bondi Icebergs pool is too busy for a swim, head to Bronte Baths. Now, Michael likes the inner city baths, has been known to uh, you know, frequent in other countries and beat himself with a birch branch. Yes, yes, yes I have. You, I have. you have. Yes. Now, this is a grand old ocean pool built into the golden sandstone cliffs. Yes, just two kilometres from Bondi, pack your togs and dive in for a refreshing dip. Yes. The South Head Heritage Trail is another fantastic Stroll to Heaven, Sydney. This is a one-hour walk, so if you just want a wee bit of a doddle, uh, check out the South Head Heritage Trail. It kicks off from Watson's Bay, tootles through Sydney Harbour National Park to South Head. Now, the path packs a scenic punch, fringing the cliffs above Lady Bay Beach, a popular spot for nude bathing. Yes. Again, we're back here, maybe some birch branches. And the trail climaxes at uh, Hornby Lighthouse, not Hornby Christchurch, but Hornby over in Australia, with a sweeping panorama across the harbour to North Head and Manly. Yes. And if you are a military buff, there are two centuries worth of gun emplacements to keep you absorbed. Or if you're military and in the buff, you could have the nude beach. <laughs> you could too. Interestingly, at this time of year, right through to about November, it's whale migration season, so you never know who could be passing you by particularly oh. if you're naked on Lady Bay Beach. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Speaking of manly, by the way, oh, one yes. of uh, my go-to manly staples is the ocean-hugging walking trail from Manly Beach to Shelley Beach. Oh. I just love this trail around the headland. It offers some of the sweetest coastal panoramas of Sydney you will find. Now, Shelley Beach is also one of Sydney's most sheltered coves, with the geographical distinction of being one of the very few places in the city where you can catch an epic sunrise, an equally epic sunset from the sand. Yeah. While you're in these parts, why not uncover the mysterious Manly Wormhole? Manly Wormhole. Mm. Okay. Unfortunately named, isn't it, really? Yeah, very much so, yes. Officially, it's called the Queen's Cliff Tunnel. Right. <laughs> much, much better. But the locals will call it the Wormhole. Are you going to the Wormhole, Sheil? Oh, dear. Take the Tirana. Take the Tirana. It's behind the Carina. You'll have to shift your... Cortina. Yes. Mm. So the Queen's Cliff Tunnel, it's thought to have been dug by fishermen about a century ago as a shortcut between Freshwater Beach and Queenscliff Beach in the Manly area. Now, follow the 50-metre-long passage as it burrows through the cliff and clamber over boulders to reach the uplifting end. Shimmering views over the ocean, perfectly framed by the tunnel's mouth. Yes. 
Very graphic. Mm. Back in the city centre, bask yourself in the brilliance of Barangaroo Reserve, which is uh, Sydney's new foreshore park. I love those gigantic sandstone blocks they've used to mm. form the park. They sort of cascade down to the water, lots of native trees and terraced gardens. And Barangaroo really has solidified its stature as a prime picnic and exercise spot in Sydney. And you've got those gun barrel views across to Belmain in Darling Harbour. Spectacularly designed and furnished with 74,000 native plants, the Woolagool Walk Waterfront Trail is now all laced up, leading you from Bangaroo all the way down to Cockle Bay and Darling Harbour. Yeah, great walk. Uh, for something different, Sydney has got some interestingly enchanting hidden gardens. Step into a real-life fairy tale in Wendy's Secret Garden. Oh, hello, Wendy. It's a fantastical tangle of plants. Does she serve hot dogs as well? <laughs> she has got the most crazy garden. Uh, plants, trees, flowers, webbed with paths and dotted with artworks. Wendy Whiteley uh, is her name, and her gorgeous garden is part of the Lavender Bay Parklands, which is not actually far from Luna Park. Ah, and comes with lots of little hidden nooks for a picnic or a bit of chillaxing or maybe a canoodle or two. Oh, a canoodle or two, depending on how energetic you're feeling. It might be soundtracked by a cockatoo. Yeah, it might be. Now, meanwhile, make tracks for Paddington Reservoir. Imagine you've stumbled into ancient Rome in Australia at this hidden garden in Paddington, tucked away in heritage-listed Paddington Reservoir. Decommissioned over a century ago, the reservoir has been transformed. I am in love with this place. I felt like a Roman centurion again. Oh, you and your Roman centurion yes, thing. Yes, yes. It now exudes the elegance of this Romanesque green refuge, sunken from the street and replete with a big lake of contemplation. <laughs> There's a wall of edgy art. It's got this hanging floral canopy. It really is in the most brilliant urban spot. So you can explore the photo opportunities framed by the dramatic backdrop of those towering archways, brick and iron structures. Only in Australia, a Roman centurion yes. with a can of 4X. <laughs> yes. Right, finally, for a truly great walk, you cannot beat the world's greatest coat hanger. Yes, Sydney Harbour Bridge celebrated its 19th anniversary last year. 90 years since 1998, over 4 million people have scaled the summit of this world-famous bridge, the most climbed bridge in the world. And we've done it. We have done it. Yes. It was very cool. I notice we're not on the VIP wall. Why not? I was most upset. I would have been. <laughs> there was Prince Harry. There was Oprah. Where's Andrew Seppi? <laughs> Oh, there's Mike Yardley. Oh, no, it's not. It's Michael Hutchins. <laughs> oh, but I tell you what, yes. uh, just a few weeks ago, this also upset me. Barack yeah. and Michelle Obama completed the climb, right? Yeah. And they didn't have to wear safety harnesses. What? Because they are VIPs. Well, VIPs still bounce off the road just as hard as we would. I know. What's with that? Wow. Yeah. So I'm not sure if. Uh, our health and safety clipboard police would take such a tolerant attitude to... I've got to say, from standing on the summit yeah. of that bridge yeah. and looking down... You would rather have a harness. I was very <laughs> glad of the harness we had on. That's I, true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, very safe climb. They look after you absolutely beautifully. Yes. But, and you know, accidents yes. can happen, they and can. you are a long, long, long way up. Yeah, there's no coming back. No. 
You might bounce half the way back up, but it wouldn't be pretty. <laughs> no. So, yeah, opt for the harness. If you are a VIP and you're offered a harness-free walk, say no, thank you. Yeah, no. But no. I would like to go on your wall. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Beside Mike Yardley. Yes. That's it for now. Be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are available, as always, on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. For great travel reading, check out our articles on our sister site, fortheloveoftravel.nz. That is fortheloveoftravel.nz. Plus, we would love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on one of the many services you subscribe to. You listen to us intently. The podcast is available everywhere. (laughs) And with your feedback, you're very welcome to praise the podcast or pillory it. We take it all. Because we're wearing a safety harness. That's quite right. That's it. And we look forward to catching you again for our next edition of Kiwi Tripsters in a week's time. Take care now. Telly ho. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.